afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the third Blind Assist, our magazine program for the visually impaired, where we have all sorts of things that blind people can demo, technology, non-technology items that will make the lives of blind people easier. So let's start off this afternoon's program. We're going to start with Quinton Pendle, who's going to tell us about broadcasting for the visually impaired. And I can see this being quite an opportunity, especially with blind people not finding employment. I myself am very interested in broadcasting. So maybe it's time for me to start after listening to Quinton's um, presentation. We're then going to have Krista Declare addressing us on um, UEB and UBC in South Africa. And then we're going to end up with Veronica giving us some cooking tips. Now, she goes on these suicide missions where there are pans with hot sizzling oil and then she, she turns pieces of fish and stuff in there. And uh, many blind people have asked us to, to, to give some cooking tips, just general cooking tips to blind people. So without any further ado, let's start off and I'll hand over to Quinton. Uh, Quinton, you can just introduce yourself. Before we start, um, Please mute yourself if you're in the audience and do not use the text box. Uh, we don't always hear it and, it's, and it is rather disturbing. So um, over to you, Quinton. Thank you, Andre. I, I suppose you can hear me? Yes, yes. Okay. We can hear you very well. Thank you, um, Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just want to say that there are a couple of options when you are interested in doing radio broadcasting. Um, some of them are more accessible than others. Um, I make use of a program called Station Playlist Studio, which is um, manufactured by stationplaylist.com. And it is rather pricey, but it has, it's quite accessible right out of, out of the box. And I, I have heard that it works with NVDA as well. And there are NVDA add-ins um, before I go further, I'd like to explain that when you broadcast, there are two components um, which you are presented with the moment you open the, the um, window of the, uh, the program. You first have your main window in which all the things happen where you cue your music or you put in your stingers or your audio beds or whatever you want to do there. Uh, and then you have your encoding window. Now, whatever is broadcast through that the program that you use has to be encoded. And this encoded stream, as we call it, is then sent to a remote computer or a server, wherever it may be, it may be anywhere in the world. And that server then is connected to some other devices that reproduce and um, redistribute the, the, the signal to transmitters. So I will load up the program now. Uh, I hope you will be able to hear my jaws. So Station Playlist Studio, I must also say that the um, stationplaylist.com actually sells this studio in conjunction with a program they call Playlist Creator. But Creator is only necessary when you want your broadcast to be completely automated. If, for instance, you have one computer in your studio and it runs 24-7, then you can go into um, Playlist Creator and create playlists and automate things 
um, schedule things, you know, radio ads, break notes, whatever it is that you want to have scheduled. Um, but for me, I like to have um, complete control over what I'm doing, especially when I'm live. Um, and then the the window that I um, the window that you're faced with when you're opening the program is the encoder window. Now, by default, it starts encoding already to your stream. So I'll just go and disconnect the disconnect the encoder so that whatever I do now doesn't get broadcast on air. Um, I'm sorry. So now I'm in my main menu. I create my I create sort of default playlists with a few ads in Winamp, which is a very, um, some people regard it as outdated, but I use it every day still. It's very handy. I create a playlist in there and then you can modify the playlist whenever you like. Um, and you can save it and you can load up this playlist in Station Playlist <coughs> Studio. I will just go ahead and do this now by hitting Control E. Okay. I'll shift tab to, to the list name, so I'll just go to Grootslukke, which is my show's name. Now the playlist is loaded. I'm now presented with a few things in my list. The one is the top one is always blank for whatever reason. Okay, so when you arrow up and down the list of items in your playlist, the first thing it will say it will say is unchecked. In other words, for you to have it played, you either need to check everything, which you can do by hitting Control plus A, or you can uncheck everything by um, Shift plus A. And like I explained earlier, I like to have control over things myself because if you're live people request songs you get whatsapp messages you get um, facebook or twitter notifications and you get requested songs so you need to be able to adapt and change as you go now um a few things i should just mention here is that um it's very nice the feature that you have that you can crossfade between two songs, and I'll demonstrate this in a minute for you. Crossfade <coughs> means that once a song is near, nearing completion, you can automatically start the other song already. So the one sort of flows over the other one that, so that there is no um, awkward silence. Um, it's very important that your radio program needs to, as they say, flow. Another nice feature is that um, the studio program has what they call cards. Um, these are sort of slots in which you can add station IDs or stingers or beds. And an audio bed is very useful, especially when you do um, weather reports or when you do traffic reports or when you just talk nonsense between two songs. Um, you would have probably have noticed that some of the commercial stations such as Jacaranda or KFM hardly ever have complete silence. When they talk, there's always some piece of audio or some music running in the background. Um, that is nice for when you want to use uh, for, an, for an audio bed. For instance, if I, you would, um, let me just explain the chords further. Um, each key from one through to zero and um, dash and equals are assigned to um, a slot. And you can add whatever you like into those slots. So when you hit say, let me say if I hit 
two or if I hit one, you will hear this is very handy if you want to just insert something between two songs or if I should hit three so that's that's the chord thing um now there are forty eight um slots in the normal version of studio and there are 96 in the pro version of studio um <coughs> if you have one two zero dash equals then you can also have control plus one through control plus dash or equals shift plus one you know and uh, alt plus one that that makes 48 slots then you can also have f1 to f12 and together with the shift and alt and control combinations that makes another 48. So in, in all you have 96 slots that you can use for stingers or radio jingles or whatever you want. Um, I must say I haven't used that much. Um, I also put my audio beds um, into in, in, into some of these slots. For instance, if I should use um, Alt plus one, that's a nice bed. Um, to run in the background, let me just turn it off now. And then the nice thing is that you can use your microphone um, by pressing, uh, in my case, M. I'm just going to have to mute um, or to turn down the volume a little. If you use M, then your microphone is already is turned on and you can talk over the music. Now, the, the bad thing about this is that there is a lag between what you say and what you actually hear on your microphone. If I can demonstrate, I don't know why that is. I've been trying to figure this out for the longest time. If I should make, um, you know, it, it's, well, I can't really turn it up because it makes, it distorts on my speakers. I usually broadcast with headphones in order to minimize um, any external effects or noise of something you know so yeah, the nice thing is you can you can talk over your music you can talk over your beds um and when you want to just have music in the background you just turn off your mic and the um, program uh, levels the music again so the moment you <coughs> turn on your mic the, the, the music goes quieter it's leveled down and you can adjust how much you want it leveled up or down the nice thing about um station playlist studio is that it's almost completely accessible right out of the box now there are additional scripts that you can buy um those are made by a guy named brian hodgson from uh, i think it's hodgson consultancy in the uk and what those scripts do i haven't bought them myself but what they do is they they actually start your encoder encoder for you they can while you say you're on facebook and you want to see how much time is remaining of your song you can just press a key combination and it will tell you that hey, like two minutes, five seconds remaining. But then um, you can, I get by without those scripts, as I said. So what I'll show you now is how easy it is to actually, uh, how easy it is to drag music into the, into the playlist. Um, just go to my um, music folder really quick. And let's pick um, <coughs> let's pick these two songs, Scarly Ray Jepsen, Party One, and Lucas Graham. Love someone. Okay, now I will do Control Plus C to copy them to my clipboard. I'm going back to my studio uh, window. Okay, I have. 
I'm just looking for the place where I can paste them. As you see, everything is almost completely covered now in all these ads and things that we do lately. And so now, I, when I want to paste songs into my playlist, I just do Alt P at the place where I want to paste the song. So now I can arrow up and down. Okay, so this is unchecked, this is the ad. So it gives you a whole bunch of information. Look, Lucas Graham is the artist. The song is called Love Somebody. And then, so the next, if I arrow down, um, come on. Okay, Carly Ray Jepsen, Party for One. Now, I must also say that sometimes the songs you have to play doesn't really go down well with me personally but this is what the listeners want <laughs> so yeah you just have to you know get used to that so I'll, what i'll now do is i'll show you how, how the crossfading works and what i will do in between is i will hit one of these card slots which i explained earlier which will then insert um, a short stinger sort of so let's hit enter on lucas graham oh sorry that was carly ray jepson okay but now anyway as you hear the music starts she's going to sing now um so let's say we want to end the song and we want to let's assume <coughs> the song is um near it okay i just want to sorry i'm jumping around you can also mute the sound so you can hear your jaws completely and there's no other noise in the background <coughs> that I did now. um so i'm just making sure that i'm on the right song now because i'm on lucas graham i'm going to put down put back the audio and then I'm going to hit um, if uh, sorry. Then I'm going to hit eight for one of the um, station IDs. Um, and while I'm doing this, I will be crossfading into Lucas Graham just to give you an idea how this works and how this sounds. And so, Holly Ray Jepsen is happily singing away. And now I will be hitting eight. And there's Lucas Graham. So this is, um, I, I, I hope you can, you could have, you, you know, you could get the feeling of um, what it was, what it was supposed to sound like. Another thing, if we have ads and we want to schedule one after the other, you can you can either select both the ads at one simultaneously, but then you run the risk of one ad starting before the other one. The first one is completely um, finished, and the advertisers don't really like that. They want their ads to, you know, people must hear everything that they say because I feel that they play a lot for marketing and so on. So I'll just play two ads simultaneously. One is by the Western Cape Minister of Agriculture, uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Ivan Mayer. And I'll go right into the next one, which is, I think, Conquer Solutions, which is one of our advertisers. So I'm just looking for the right ad here. Yeah. 
They are going to, to the next ad. Okay, so now remember that the people who listen cannot fortunately hear Jaws. Um, it, the program is being written so that um, a screen reader doesn't get in the way of whatever you're doing. Um, and the nice thing is that you can mute the studio the sound from the studio so that you, that you can hear your um, your screen reader completely and uh, because sometimes the music is loud and it interferes with your screen reader. Um, yes, the other thing is when when you do a weather forecast for instance, I <coughs> get weather reports that we do, um, then I have a weather bed that I use which is um, music by Jean-Michel Jarre. I think it works well for the for the purpose of the weather. Um, why isn't it playing now? Oh, there we go. Sorry. So this is the weather bed that I'm using. Um, and then I just, you know, would turn over on the mic. Let me just mute the, or turn down the speakers. So okay, now I can talk of the music, do the weather forecast. And um, when I'm done, I just turn the music back up. Well, actually, you just turn off your mic. The program adjusts the level of the music itself. And um, yes, then you have adver advertisements, as I say. And these are all part of your playlist. It's like um, when you have all these songs and you have the adverts between the songs or scheduled between the songs. You can also have what they call break notes. <coughs> the, the break notes are there for... Um, let's say you do a busy show like a breakfast show or a home run show in the afternoon. Um, the ad slots can be very, um, you know, you will run a tight, on a tight schedule. Um, and there's, there's a little uh, room for you to, you know, if an ad is scheduled to go out at 4.17 or 4.15, um, it is, it, it's preferable that you don't do two minutes later or two minutes earlier because, um, for some reason, the, the, the marketing people and the clients buy these spots for all practical purposes. And obviously, they pay a lot more for, for big times when people listen. Um, another thing is that when you broadcast with Studio, the program that I use, it can create a playlist for you. Um, it does it in CSV format, which is used by Excel, if I'm not mistaken. And the reason for the playlist is that. Um, as I said, the advertisers sometimes want to check whether the ads have been played and how many times they have been played because um, many stations sell ads or ad slots in packages. You, you pay like say a hundred or thousand rands for an ad to be played once a day at 4.15 in the afternoon, which is a peak time. Or, you know, and then they want to, they would like, sometimes they want to see whether the ads have been going out. The other thing is that we have a myriad of music organizations in South Africa, which is um, involved with copyright, and um, they also want to see what music you play. And this, the, the, the playlists have, be, have to be submitted to the music rights organizations. I think it's every once a year or once in six months, they request all the playlists. And from what is played, they compile um, what royalties you need to pay for um, for the artist that music that you play. Um, apart from the things that I described here, 
the station playlist studio has a myriad of um, preferences and options that you can adjust. It's, it's incredible how, how many options there are. Sometimes it can actually be quite baffling because there are so many things that you can change, but, but that gives you the flexibility of how you want the program to work for you. And um, it, you know, there's literally, there's literally nothing that you cannot, that you cannot adjust. And as I said before, the nice thing is it's accessible. It works out of the box. Now, let me just show you something else. Um, uh, sorry, where's, we're going to play Lucas Graham again because I want to demonstrate something. I'm going to mute the studio now and I will be, let's say we're opening on Facebook, uh, opening Facebook or something. Um, sometimes your listeners interact with you on Facebook um, and WhatsApp and Twitter, so it can get rather busy. Um, so I just want for Facebook, I'm sorry, my English, I'm waiting for Facebook to load. Um, okay, now Facebook has been loaded. So now I want to see how, ma how many or how much time is left of the song that is playing. Um, so it says 2.44, so I know there are 2 minutes 44 seconds left. I can still browse Facebook and I go back there if I want to. Um, and it's, you have to know how much time is left of a song because if you're not attending to um, your studio and your thing is not set to automatic, then once a song is done, there's this complete silence, as I said earlier, and that, that we don't want. So let's go back to the uh, window now and see. Okay, 2.15, 2 minutes, 15 seconds. And that's all you need to know. Um, there are so many more other, other features that you can actually use and that's the information that the, the program gives to you that um, one, one would really have to spend a lot of time to go through each of these options because um, there are so much things that you can adjust. Um, but the, yeah, I have to say that the, the program isn't completely cheap. The, the normal version is about $139, I think. And then each year you have to pay $35 for support. Um, and if, if there's a new version, then they send you the version. But usually it happens, if it happens, it happens once a year. And then it would be from version 5.3 to version 5.4. It very occasionally happens that it's like a complete new version and everything's overhauled. Um, so yeah, uh, the pro version is $239 and then you have to pay another $34 a year. Um, that, that, that's a bit pricey, um, I must tell you. And especially if the rand is where it's now, $34 makes a bit of a difference. Um, and you know, they, but, but their support is okay. I haven't had issues with them really. When you, when you write them a letter and you have a question or something that you're battling with, um, the longest period I've waited for a response was about 10 to 12 hours. I, so they're really quick to respond. And there is a mailing list for people who um, have difficulties or who, are, who would like to know things. I think this is about um, really scratching the surface. But um, you know, if I want to just explain anything more, this might take a little more time. But yes, I think this is in a very, very tight nutshell. Tell the story. Thanks, Quentin. Um, I, I've just got one question. Um, you, sure. you broadcast, you, you, you broadcast uh, for a lot of radio stations. Um, how, 
his, his broadcasting on what I've learned from what I've heard now was quite impressed. <clears throat> Firstly, you said you love William, which I also do. Yeah, we've got a bit of background noise. Just mind that, please, uh, audience. Just stay muted. If um, yeah, and um, um, the thing is, uh, would broadcasting be a good option for blind people? Andre, um, sorry, I'm having uh, having a little difficult hearing. There's a some back road something okay let yeah. me just say i i don't think there's a lot of money especially if you go into community radio station broadcasting um <laughs> the the salary if you can call it that is really um minimal I, i'm talking about roughly 50 rands an hour which mm. um, well well if you have nothing else then i suppose you can't complain and especially with the lockdown hitting us very hard and the industry that I am in will probably be one of the very last to open completely. So at the moment, yes, um, it is, it's something. You, you'll certainly not get rich, I can assure you that. And <laughs> then there are a lot of yeah. other things that you need to take into consideration, like station management, um, how they control correspondence with your listeners. Many of the community radio stations I used to broadcast for before I had very little interaction with the listeners so sometimes you'll do a three or four hour shift late at night and there will be no reaction from the listeners and this can kill you this can really you know break your speed um a, a good broadcasting experience is when your listeners interact with you um when when you, you get bit you get feedback from the people that listen when they request songs when or when you talk about something you know um <coughs> sorry i'm and part of the problem is, is sort of how the, the the communication channels between you and the listeners are set up. The station which I am broadcasting for now um, is of the view that every WhatsApp message that is sent to us must go through them first, and then they will select mm -hmm. what they sent to us because they the reasoning is that they don't want us to receive any negative comments. Um, Mm. Well, yeah, <laughs> one can talk about that. But the, the thing is, um, sometimes I will end up watching TV on a Sunday night when I do my radio program. And in 40 minutes, for 40 minutes, there will be no communication. I'll play music and I'll entertain and I'll chat. And in 20 minutes before the show ends, there suddenly comes 10, through, through 10 WhatsApp messages, all people requesting songs. And then you have to respond to these. And yeah, that's not always very nice. But I mean, if if you want to, if your passion is to play music, if your passion is to share music with people, or not not necessarily only music. I mean, there are so many things that you can do with a with a radio mm -hmm. program. I I have had um, those. Uh, there was this double CD compilation that uh, Aris here uh, released towards the end of the same uh, um, nineteen ninety nine. On which there are those all these sport, sporting highlights of the you know between 1950 and 1999, and yeah. on my Sunday shows I would uh, at eight o'clock feature one of the tracks from that album. As I said, there are so many things you can do. I had a train um, stop in Radio Pretoria. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. Just let can just wrap it up a bit. Um, Sorry. Uh, the, 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 so you you wouldn't think you would think it's a good. Uh, direction for blind people, but 
you don't you say don't don't expect to become a millionaire no okay absolutely thank you very much your 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 presentation has actually been very interesting um are there any questions to put in from the audience so yes uh, how are you quentin i'm finding yourself goodman look uh firstly uh, i missed the name of the studio program that you talked about but i think more than a question uh, it's so much appreciable that you are doing this online and i think as you were saying if you're not doing it for being rich just do it for your own entertainment <laughs> and for your own sanity as a blind person but what is the name mm. of the studio version, the, the program that you're using for the studio it is it is called station playlist studio and it's made by stationplaylist.com you can actually go check them out on their website um, stationplaylist.com now as i said there is there is station <laughs> studio and creator i'm just i was just using studio much appreciated man thanks you're welcome thank you any Question other hands? From, is it, it martus yeah, good day. Actually, Quentin, uh, good to hear from you. Also listening to you on Sundays. The previous speaker or questioner actually asked my question. I wanted to know what the program is, what you are using. Quite impressive. Keep up the work. Uh, thank you, Martis. I can just say that there is a 30-day demo for people to try out um, if you should, should want to. And then, of course, you're more than welcome to, you know, send me a uh, WhatsApp or an email if you have the program and you want to dig into it. I can come online with you and we can sort it out for you anytime. Excellent. <coughs> now, I'll definitely gonna, gonna make contact with you anyway. So thanks a lot. You're welcome. Quintus, uh, thank you very much. I I must agree. Very impressive. Sorry. Andre. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, there's Ross Pearson that also wants to ask a question, please. Ross Pearson. Ross, mute, unmute yourself. <coughs> Ross. Okay, she's muted, so. Okay. Okay, there okay, you go. You okay, oh, can you hear me now? Sorry. Yes, can you hear yes, me now? Yes. Can I just can I just ask Quinton? Uh, you've you've talked about uh, things being live, live broadcast. Uh, do you find things can go wrong when they're on live broadcast? And also, do you get ratings with your community people? Can they rate you and say sorry, you don't have a good rating, and then tell you sorry, you're not broadcasting for them anymore? I missed the first part of your question. Could just, the first could part just... was you have live broadcasts, as you say. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It seems like it's very busy. And then you have to keep up a chat as well. Uh, do you find things can go wrong uh, quite a bit during those live oh, yes. broadcasts? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can tell you a dozen stories of things that went wrong. Um, <laughs> but, yes, it can get busy. And um, <coughs> as for the ratings, yes, you... you Every now and then you are evaluated. Well, it depends on the radio station that you work. If you, you know, if it's a station that pays you a salary, they, you're constantly being ev evaluated, and that happens by or via feedback from the listeners. Um, if the listeners don't like, you, obviously, then they get someone else. That's, that's long and short you. of the story. Thanks. 
Thank you. Any more hands, please? No more. Okay. Thank you, Quintal. Very impressive. Thank you very much. And, and I will be using you again in future uh, with your music mixing and that. Thanks for participating. I'm welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, no problem. I would like to now introduce Christy the Clap. And we're going to talk about you. UEB and UBC in South Africa. Christopher, over to you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Now we're going to talk some Braille. Um, you've heard Andre mention UBC. That stands for Unified Braille Code. Now, what's meant by unified? Now, let's look at the Braille system before we had UBC, before it got unified. Braille was okay in the olden days for reading novels and poetry and so on. But unfortunately, Braille could not keep up with developments in technology and so on. And that resulted in total chaos. Because things like computers came about and that demanded a facility to write about them in braille and also people realize that perhaps blind people are not stupid after all they can do mathematics so we also needed to represent uh, maths in braille what happened there was that the british developed a math system and independently from them the americans developed the nemeth code for maths which they used in South Africa, we used the British math code and we modified it. We, we changed the way we write fractions. So we ha have used a modified British math code. And then came computers. And the Americans developed a computer code. And again, the Brits independently developed a computer code. And the British math code and the Brit, uh, uh, British maths code, American maths code, were so different from each other, and also the computer braille from the Brits and the, the Americans were so different from each other, that if you knew one, you could not read a book and understand that was in the, the other country's code. In South Africa, we decided to follow maths with, with our modifications, but we used American computer code. There were also other differences in, in English Braille. For example, the Brits did not use the capital sign. The Americans did. In South Africa, Braille servers <coughs> did and pioneer printers did not in the same country. And the use of certain contractions, for example, if you have the string E-A-R as in rear, um, the Brits would contract the EA, but the Americans would write the E and contract the AR. There was that chaos. Itself, because we, the person had to learn three different Braille codes. You had to learn your literary Braille, and computer Braille, you had to learn math Braille, and then you had to learn about code switches to indicate, you know, you're now going to write 
an email address or you're going to write some math. So you had to use code switches in your braille. It was extremely complex. Also, certain braille characters, uh, the same character represented three different things in the three codes. So it was totally ununified. If you think about uh, the brackets in, in uh, uh, normal Braille, the lower, the old lower G, that could be either an opening or a closing bracket. You wouldn't know, you had to deduce from context, and the way things are printed these days, it's not always clear from the context it is an opening or a closing bracket, which made it also very difficult for automated Braille translators to decide because they do not have human insight. So all these things on English Braille was established in 1991. The project was to develop a unified English Braille code. And it was code which is unified, which is unambiguous, but which interferes as little as possible with current literary braille so that people who are just interested in reading novels will not be disrupted they can still read and novels. so we started working on this code and in south africa we had workshops about it we had awareness campaigns um, in one of our magazines, we regularly started printing texts, uh, articles in uh, you, the, the new unified code that was being developed. What was very interesting at the time, the feedback we got from readers was hardly any feedback on, on the code, hardly any questions on the code, but where there were questions and feedback about the contents of the articles. That was quite comforting because it showed that people were not being majorly disrupted by the code. So it took about 13 years and then in 2004 at the General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille, that is ICEB, in Toronto, the Unified English Braille Code was adopted as a Braille standard. We came back to South Africa and our Braille authority then, it was Braille SA, immediately adopted the code and, and most other countries did, except the two big ones, Britain and United States. They took very long before they came on board, but eventually they did. And all the eight member countries of International Council of English Braille have adopted and implemented the code and many other countries now also which are not members of, of ICEP. So the first thing then we did was in South Africa to start unifying codes of our local languages also. That is the reason why in South Africa we talk about UBC Unified Braille Code, not about UEB, UEB or UEBC because it does not apply to English only. We unified all our local codes according to the principles of the UEB. For English, we use UEB, the standard 
uh, unified English Braille code. But we've got Afrikaans, Isikosa, Zulu, Chivenda, Chichonga, the whole lot of them are now unified. Now the beauty of this is that you need to learn one braille code only. You don't have to learn computer braille, you don't have to learn math braille. I always compare the UBC to a toolbox. It's a vast toolbox. It, it can remember 400 characters, but you learn from it what you need from it. A number is always a number, whether you're writing computer braille or a literary text or math text, the number is always a number. Bracket is also a always a bracket. There is no ambiguity. Um, I think what many people do not really um, realize um, because haven't attended a, a formal course in, in the UBC is how symbols are constructed. Symbol, the principle is a braille symbol in UBC can of it must have a root and it can have one zero or more prefixes. Now a prefix is a combination, any combination of the three right-hand dots. So there are seven possible combinations of the right-hand dots and what we call the number sign. So those eight characters are prefixes. The other 55 characters are roots. This means that um, a character is built up, it, it can only have one root and it can have zero or more prefixes. Now, a lot of logic has gone into this. Let us look at uh, uh, normal brackets, for example. We've got dots one, two, six for the opening uh, bracket, that's the root I'm talking about, and dots three, four, five for the closing. Now the prefixes distinguish what kind of brackets this is. If the prefix is a dot five, we're working with round brackets, normal, parentheses. If the prefix is dot four six, those are square brackets and you can see it gives like a, a square shape to it. If the prefix is dot four five six, we are working with those uh, squiggly brackets or brace brackets as they are called. If the prefix is dot four, we're working with angle brackets. But in all cases, the roots are the same. The roots are the uh, GH and the AR contractions, then with the prefixes distinguishing. This is also uh, nice because the rule says that there can be only one root in a sign. So if you see prefixes and so on, as soon as you hit a root, you know that's the end of that's the end of the symbol. So there, there is no ambiguity. Um, it is easy to distinguish. Uh, it, the code is unified, no ambiguity. And there has been very little interference with literary braille. Uh, the main interference to literary braille is that some contractions fell away. And they fell away because part of the brief was 
to have code that is unambiguous. Now, one of, one of the signs was the old BLE, which is the same as the number sign. And the reason for that is it could be ambiguous because we often see words and, and, uh, and, and combinations of characters, which are characters and numbers, and you wouldn't otherwise know whether it was a BLE or a number sign. Um, for example, something like um, AK-47, you wouldn't know if that was a BLE um, or, or the number sign. That is also the reason why the DD contraction was dropped, because if you look at an email address, there are many there are always uh, full stops in the middle of it. And you could become confused at times between the DD and the, the full stop. Now, if you take a word like dismiss, that begins with a, the uh, lower D contraction for this. We did not drop that. We decided to keep that uh, because you would hardly ever confuse it, but if if you wanted to talk about, say, a dot .docx document, then to distinguish it, to, to show people that it is not this .docx, but dot .docx, you put a grade one indicator in front of the, the lower D. Dots five, six is the grade one indicator. It differs from the pre-unified uh, <coughs> indicator in that it only applies to the character immediately following it. So the rest of the word can still be contracted, just the character immediately following the dots five, six will be a grade one document, a uh, grade one uh, character. So whenever there could be confusion, uh, you can have, for example, an exclamation mark in the middle of a string of characters um, and you would not want it to be read as ff then you put the dot five six in front of it so the dot five six is then also a prefix it is a prefix which indicates that this which immediately follows is a grade one indicator so i think that in brief um, shows you the reasons why the code has changed, um, why it is, um, why certain con uh, symbols are constructed in the way they, they are being constructed. And we believe that, you know, a change is always difficult. And, and, and let's face it, there was resistance to the code. But when you look at the, at the benefits that there are so many printable characters these days, and the code provides for all of them, uh, so that you can read it unambiguously. And one of the principles is also that the, the Braille reader must be able to read what is in the printed book. In other words, Braille must follow print as closely as possible. That was not possible with pre-unified Braille, but it is possible now. So we have a code now which is unified, which is unambiguous, and which did not disrupt readers of ordinary literary material. 
I think let me stop waffling and here if there's anything that's not clear, I will be open to, to questions and even debate if you wish to. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Christo. I must agree with you that I think all the hard work was worth it a couple of years back. I went through it and I, I, I learned myself UBC. And yes, I think definitely it is for the greater good of everybody. Are there any questions for Christo? No hands. Oh, oh, there is one for us. I got from Ross. Yeah, okay. Ross has to unmute. Um, hi, Christo, can you hear me? Clearly. Okay. Um, is there a Braille, um, some kind of, you know, for those of us <laughs> older members who are still between, uh, sometimes when I write, I still find myself writing just all the old things, you know, just for my own purposes. And I know there was a list of symbols that came out, which I, I, I did get, but the way you've explained it now is what, you know, things that have changed and things that have stayed the same and so on. Is there any Braille um, publication that we can read that says, you know, um, this is how it now works and more like a tutorial, you know, that we can keep and just refer to sometimes when we, <laughs> when we forget? Um, there, there isn't a tutorial as such. There are the courses that we present. There, there's, um, mm. There is the list of new commonly used symbols. Uh, Antoinette will compile the list. Um, that might be the one you were speaking about. The strip yes. with zines. Um, then if you go onto the ICEB website, that is uh, www.iceb.org. They've got a list. There, there, um, on one of the pages, there you will find a complete mm -hmm. list of all the 400 Who's that button on my chat? No, that's hey, fine. You, 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 you can just talk. You're unmuted. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah, so on that side, you can find a complete list. Um, at the time, in about 2007, that was the year we, before the UBC was introduced, we did present a course <coughs> that was compiled uh, to help with the transition. The course dealt with what was, what was different. Um, <coughs> now I still have that course. Um, compiled the course and it, it, it's free to anybody who wants it. Um, it would be a bit difficult to negotiate the course if you don't have some means of reading Braille. Um, I think it would be fine if you have something like a, like a Braille me um, or if you have an embosser and course, but if you want to just try and do it in audio, um, it, it might be a nightmare. But um, I have that course which we may distribute. Uh, anybody who wants it can let me know and I can, can email it. It's a zip about 12 files inside it. Thanks very much.
Casting matrices and I just before that, a very handy one that I use also, I downloaded, downloaded the manuals from ICEP, but Well Services has a very nice little booklet with all the South African languages, uh, with the list of contractions and symbols used. And you can get that for free from Rail Services. I've got the BRF format of that one. So that could also serve you as a great resource. Thank you. Thank you. Martis? Yeah, Christo, um, I just have a comment and then a question that my braille is lately so badly, I'm actually hesitant to go ahead. But anyway, um, the comment is that um, I find it quite... Martis has disappeared. <laughs> Can you still hear me? Uh, yeah, you, 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 you disappeared. I didn't hear your question. Okay, but can you hear me now? Yes, clearly. Okay, no, sorry. I think it's a network error. Okay, just, just a comment is um, I find it quite nice to use the Braille symbols when I'm using the iOS Braille built-in Braille keyboard. It's much easier, especially with the special characters, than to use the keyboard and changing to special characters and searching for the at sign, etc. So yeah. that's quite nice using the iOS keyboard. And just a question, I think if I'm not mistaken, you said that the BLE contraction is taken away now, the three, four, five, six. Is, is, is that correct, right? Yes. Or did I miss? That, so why didn't they also use the grade, is it grade one, grade zero, uh, five, six letter or symbol to indicate that that's not a sim, uh, um uh, a number sign. Not a number sign, but a contraction. Well, be, because the number sign is actually not, it's not a character. It's not something, you know, it's, a, it's an indicator. It's not a character. Okay, so you call the lower D, the full stop, the character because it's a, a DD or a, a DIS yeah, contraction. But it's, a, it's, a print, it's a print character, but there isn't in print anything... Uh, like a number sign it's it's an okay. indicator which shows that what follows it are numbers okay thank you hi um christo it's just a comment but it it feels to me like browlers become more clumsy than what it used to be before um it it takes up a little more space and and so on but you must remember that the, you know, there are over 400 characters that it can print now that pre-unified rail would not be able to print. I can, I can mention many, many details, uh, examples. For, just, just think of diacritics, for example, in, in pre-unified braille, English braille. They put a dot four in front of a let letter to indicate that there is some diacritic on it, but you didn't know if it was a, um, a circumflex or copy or a or, a or, 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 or whatever, you know, or an accent or whatever. Uh, so in, in UBC, UBC, there's no problem. We have signs for all of them. Yes, so they make it bigger, but, you know, at least you know now whether it's a copy or a diotekon or an accent or whatever. You must remember that in Braille we only have 63 possible symbols. 
Um, so of necessity, we've got 63 symbols, but there are over 400 printable ones. So of necessity, we have to combine them and, and the symbols become longer. Any more questions? <coughs> Is my hand still up? Do I need to lower it or have you lowered it, Denise? I've lowered it for you, Susan. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Then let's all go cooking. Um, I still don't know what's for supper tonight, but but the smells are giving is quite nice. So let's hand you over to Veronica for some general cooking tips for blind people. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi, Veronica. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, my tips are more geared for totally blind cookers. I've had many um, questions as to how do, would they manage to turn fish, how would they manage to turn an egg, and, and things like that. And I thought that maybe some of my tips can be of some can make sense to some people and be of help, of benefit to them. Now, in cooking, um, for those who are totally blind, in cooking, uh, what is mostly used is your smell and your touch. Unfortunately, you have to use your touch sometimes. So obviously, it would, it would be better to always have your, one of your sinks full of water so that you can dip your hands into it. Because if you peel potatoes, you've got to clean up to perhaps stir your food or do or touch something else. You know, cooking for a blind person is nearly like Corona. Then um, your smell is very important. You would smell when your onions are braised. You, could, you can definitely, it's a distinctive smell. You can smell it. And there are other things that you can always <laughs> depend on your smell. Your hearing to me is important too, but not as much as your smell and your touch. Um, I would say, um, let's start with turning fish or egg. Um, it's better to use your spatula or what you call the thing. I call it a spatula. And an egg slide, some people call it. Anyway, slide it under the piece of fish that you want to turn. Lift it up and then toss it over. Like, you know, and you can be sure because you can feel with your spatula that it is turned. The texture now feels different. The side that was in the pan. And the same with an egg. If, if you like your egg done both sides, then you slide your <coughs> spatula under your egg, lift it, and then toss it over. That is the only way you can do it, in my opinion. But obviously, when you turn um, potatoes or meat, chop or whatever it is that's more solid, you would use a fork. That would be very easy. To lift it with a fork and just turn it. Um, 
many people have a problem dishing soup especially yes you can use a soup ladle that's fine but to make sure that you always get the ingredients in the soup piece of meat or whatever it is that's in the soup onto your plate or into your basin soup basin or soup cup you would i would uh, what i do normally i will just tell you what i do and maybe it'll be of help to some people because <laughs> i find it an endless job to to ladle my soup into my cup with a soup ladle it it takes ages for especially when you have a big cup or a big basin to to fill up so i would use a, a standard size cup i would dish soup and when the basin or the cup is nearly full or three quarters full and i want some of the ingredients in it then i'll take my ladle and i would dish up some of the ingredients and put it in the cup for me that works better but as i say it depends on what your needs are and you see every blind person must cook or use um or, or cook in the way that they feel would get them to the end result just as well you know safely and correctly so there isn't really a fast rule or a book written for blind people to especially cook this way or that way we obviously cannot do it the sighted way always not always it's not always possible so we must always devise some method of doing it to reach the same result you can hear when something is um where you can hear your onions braising and taking your spoon your dishing spoon and feeling the texture feeling the texture of your onions would tell you they're busy getting right or it needs to be there are times that you sometimes have to spoon the onions into a spoon and toss them over to do so that they can have that braised effect nice and brown and if necessary and i find it sometimes necessary <clears throat> that i would spoon up i would spoon a little uh, a couple of pieces of onions and touch it and see whether it's it has the right texture this is not for perhaps pay maybe for a sighted person it's not the ideal thing or etiquette but for us who have to do things differently it helps then the same with your food i firmly believe that uh, to cook a superb meal if you want to um brown your meat you you've really got to be patient and when your water in your pot is cooked away and there's no and you can hear it braising that's the time your food gets nice and brown don't be in a hurry before you hear that superb sound to add water let it have that sound and stir it around so everything gets nice and brown and then add 
your little bit of water if you need to. Um, I did um, steak last night um, in the pan. We didn't bry as usual. I did steak in the pan and what? The, the best way you do it, obviously, is to stand there. You, you can't leave your pan. You've got to stay there. And with a fork, keep on turning that steak. Keep on turning that steak. Give it a minute, a half a minute, a minute on one side, turn it. And that's what you do all the time to get the right effect, to get it nice and brown both sides, and to get it tenderly soft. Um, it's things like that. Um, I'm not going to go uh, do a long talk on cooking. I need blind people to ask me questions and then I can answer. And that's the way we know what they need. Thank you very much. Thank you, Veronica. Um, it's, it's, uh, I see Susan has raised and it's a good thing that you've given us some tips. Me, of course, it's also good because I'm, I'm very good with a can opener, baked beans, bully beef, that sort of stuff. So this is a good thing I have you. Okay, now question time. Susan? Hi, um, Veronica, I, um, I have a question about vors. Um, yes. I, I love it when my vors is crispy on the skin and when it's got that like salty taste on, 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 on the skin, on the outside. Um, mm -hmm. How do you know how to do that? Well, are, are you talking about in a pan or on, on a braai? Um, in a pan. Okay, right. First of all, your oil must be nice and hot, right? You put your sausage in, and that too you have to keep on turning until you find while well, the one side is nice and crispy, then you turn it so the other side can also get nice and crispy. But use a fork, please, and don't put a half a kilo or a kilo of uh, sausage in the pan at one time. What I normally do to help me manage it, I would um, make portions of sausage that will fit into the pan. So I will perhaps have, depends on how many key people you're doing it, two, three, or two, six sausages in one pan but it's i've took it from a whole kilo or half a kilo of sausage do you see what i mean i break it up yeah. into the lengths that you need for a pan that's what i do and that is how you manage it much better you turn it much easier yes i do it i i, I do it like that all the time <clears throat> great that's the way i do it too just to be very patient until you get that right effect that crispy effect so you mustn't on, add water with that. It's just some oil that you put uh, in the pan and then... That, um, you, it, that depends, Susan, and this is what I wanted to say, and I, I neglected saying it. This is what I wanted to say. It depends whether you're a health eater or whether you like your things, uh, a bit of grease on it. But, um, you know, I can tell you something for free. Doing your sausage in water, now some people will say, Oh, that must taste yucky. It doesn't. It's healthier, number one. And number two, you get the same effect. When you you don't throw a lot of water in it, and when the water dries up, turn it so the other side can go as well. You see, that gets a more crispier effect that you can ask Andre. He eats it like that regularly. Okay. 
Um, and and if you if you as you did stick me the fork to to turn it over, then doesn't the juice come out and the sausage get nope. dry inside? Not at all, because you only stick a fork into the end of the sausage and turn it. You're not going to stick a fork in every part of that length of sausage. That would ruin it. But stick it in the end and turning it over, it doesn't dry out at all. Believe you me, it'll be just as succulent when you've done it. Because I have a, a, a silicone, a, a tongs with silicone tips on that I use, but then oh, I also great. use my finger Even to feel better. where the sausage is. Yes. But it's warm, and, and, and when you do sausage, uh, uh, Susan, especially when it's, uh, the water's cooked away and you're busy browning it, turn your pan down. Don't okay. do it on a high heat. That's when it that doesn't get crispy, it burns. So Thanks. turn it down a little, okay. Thank you. Thank you, any more? May I say something? Yes. Sorry, I, I, okay, let me take the questions first and before, I end, yeah. before we end, Ross, I'll say it. I see Ross has raised her hand. So, uh... Ross, unmute. Hold down your space bar and speak. Oh. There we go. Ross? <clears throat> Ask a question, Ross. Ross? Ross, you unmuted yourself again? To see if I can unmute this end. Ross? No, Krista. No answer, no, no answer, Andre. Okay. Let me just see. Okay, now she's still muted. Yes, okay. Can. I think, Ross, you can mail us the question. Any more hands, uh, Denise? No more hands. No Andre? more hands. Thank you very much for attending our third Blind Essay Assist. And I would like to have your feedback. And of course, I'd like to have lots of presentations uh, on, on blindness related matters. This is a magazine program that we've started now, and we'd like this to carry on and be successful. The recording will be available uh, later, I'll post it. And thank you very much. We'll see you all in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for attending.